want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, uh, listen, uh, we're uh, going to do something cool, cool tonight. I got something I, I really can't wait to preach, and, um, and I just need you guys to join me in prayer, and let's just ask the Father to do something in our heart before we hear it. Father, whatever might be distracting us, whatever might be heavy on our heart, whatever we may be thinking about, whatever we, we might be stewing on, we, we just come to you right now, and we ask you to hear our prayers that you would remove anything that would distract us from what it is you want to say in our life today. There may be some stuff just, just heavy on our heart, or maybe unforgiveness. We're just going to take about five or ten seconds, just silence, so that every one of us can kind of just prepare our hearts to talk to you about some things that, that we may need to just get off our chest before tonight starts. Father, thank you. Our attention is on you. Our focus is on you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We're in this Christmas season, and um, last week we asked a question. How long does it take God to do something? That's a legitimate question. I mean, honestly, how long does it take God to do something? Um, I, I wouldn't ask that question questionably. I would ask it inquisitively. And, and the reason why is because from what we studied last week is that God's perfect timing in the, in the Christmas story tells us that, that God knew exactly when and where and how. And, and sometimes we look at the Christmas story as quite possibly a 2,000-year-old story. From where Jesus was born to today, it would easily be thought of as a 2,000-plus-year-old story. But it is actually a bigger story than that. And that's what we talked about, in that from the fall of man to where we are today, and the thousands of years shining light on the coming Messiah, and you see in one particular scripture we studied last, last week was it's God's timing is perfect. And to some, uh, we, under, we understand that, that in his completion, it, it's right on time. Scripture tells us that a day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is like a day. And it makes sense when we also studied last week that um, it's worth waiting on. God's perfect timing is worth waiting on. But today I'm going to talk to you about something that really kicked this whole thing off. As I was thinking about the Christmas season, and why do we call it the Christmas season? Because it's that time of year. It's the season that we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's really interesting how many people are aware of how seasons work, but are unaware of how important seasons are in our function, in our activity, in our, I guess, prosperity of what it is we're trying to get in life. We, we know about the seasons, we're just not working the seasons. And that's really interesting because in Genesis it says, for as long as the earth remains, 
There will always be, and it goes down the list of four different things, uh, heat and cold, um, daylight and darkness. And, and it says there will always be seed time and harvest. Now, that's just not some flippant word that God shares with Noah on that particular day. It's, it's a covenant he's making and saying, just because we had a catastrophe just now, and, and I had to handle some things in something I didn't want to do, but Noah, I come to you and I want you to know that we're going to go back to the old system of operation. There will always be seed time and harvest. And here's the dangerous thing about our generation today. You can really get anything you want as fast as you want to get it. Like, for instance, let's say you get hungry during service right now. You don't panic too much because you're just going to go to Roses after church. You're going to fill the void. You're going to do whatever it is. If you feel like going to sleep after church, church, you're going to do whatever you want to do. In today's day and age, so many things are available to us that weren't like this back when Scripture was written or even maybe back when your great-grandparents were growing up in that you had to know the seasons. You had to know when something went in the ground. You had to know when something needed to be plucked. You had to know how things operated because if you worked against the season, it would work against you. Okay, this is, this is really important. And it's something in my sons, I really want to teach them as a dad there's a right time to do something, and there's a wrong time to do something. Let me just show you something real quick. In the Christmas story, in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read in verse 6. It's going to show up on the, on the screen, but I'm going to start in verse 1. So if you're reading along with me, wait till we get to verse 6. You'll see it up on the screen, but I want to prime this a little bit. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. There's a very re- important reason I'm reading this. So Caesar Augustus came up with this decree, okay, that all the world should be registered, okay? This census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Have you ever heard this before? It's a part of the Christmas story. It's how Mary and Joseph moved from where they were to the specific location that prophecy would say the Messiah would be born in a little bitty town, a little bitty town called Bethlehem, okay? But how do you get people from point A to point B? How do you read this portion of Luke chapter 2? Is it just something you read and you go, oh yeah, I heard that in Charlie Brown's Christmas one time. And, and, And then just think to yourself, what's the big deal about that? Do you not realize that in this beginning, it shows us that man had this idea that he thought was his idea. You know what would be a great idea as an emperor? Let's rally everyone together. Let's register everyone. And let's just figure out how many people are out there. Let's figure out how many boys there are, how many girls there are. Let's figure out what everyone's making. Let's figure out what everyone does in this community. Let's take a census of everyone. And it sounds like such a great idea, but you have to remember that it's bigger than that. And the reason why I tell you this is because man came up with this idea, but it wasn't man who came up with this. It was a part of God's plan that he used man to bring about the Messiah for the perfect opportunity for him to make his entrance into the world. Why do I tell you that? Because don't tell me that God can't change your situation too in a moment to where one minute there was no chance. Have you ever been in Bethlehem? 
And through a process of people just coming up with ideas and thinking, hey, we ought to, God says, here, looks like you're going to Bethlehem really soon, even at the point that you're about to have a baby. It wasn't an ideal, but you have to notice the bigger picture here. The story continues and it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was in the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And then we begin to read in verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed. I like that. For her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. Today we're talking about seasons. And the question that I asked last week was, what season are you in? It's a very important question. Most people don't know. And the ones who are taking advantage of wherever they're at know exactly what season they're in. And they know exactly what to do in the season that they're in. And if you don't know what season you're in, that's okay. By the end of the day, I'm going to have you keep asking that question. What season am I in? So that you can know, and in this Christmas time, it's a, as good a time as any for us to see that when they showed up in Bethlehem, though she was in labor, though she was in pain, though it was inconvenient, though they had to ride a donkey, it was the perfect time of completion for everything to come together. And I believe this. A lot of us think, that the word completion is never going to be used in our, in our life. But I'm going to tell you, completion can be used because we're always going through a new season and a new season and a new season and a new season. And if you look at the story of the birth of Jesus through Mary, it had come to a completion of the season they were in. And when this season had completed, Mary was no longer carrying Jesus. Mary was now the new season as the mother of Jesus. And I think completion could be a better word for a place that you can be soon of completing the season you're in to then begin the next season you go in. And that's why the word completion is such an important part of today's message. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And the reason why I say it's one of my favorite is because sometimes when I don't know what to do, I just don't know what to do. I go sit down and I read an old verse that really they've written some great songs with. And you're going to recognize some things in here that that, that, it wasn't, it's not a 1960 song. It actually comes from scriptures. It starts like this. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth. I love how that starts. That is so important. But the reason why I go back to this so often is because if I don't know what to do, I always sit down and I read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and there's sometimes I sit down and I go, nope, that's not where I'm at, and that's not where I'm at, and that's not, that's the one that Holy Spirit has me thinking about right now. Let me just read some to you. It says, there's a right time for birth, and there's another time for death. Just, just stop. Think about that. There's a right time for things to be born. There's a right time to start things. And there's another time for things to die, for things to end. It's all timing. 
I don't know if y'all know this, but as a pastor, I, I, I get to visit a lot of people at home. There are some people when they call me in, they're asking for me to heal or for me to pray for their healing. And, and I love praying for people's healing. I really do. But I don't know if you know this, but one of the weird things that, that I, I am a part of a little bit is when you walk into the room with somebody and the family's really wanting us to pray for their healing and them to get better. And I, I look at their eyes and they look at me and they're, they've lived a full life. They've lived a big life, a full life. And they've just come to the end and everyone around them, all the family members, not ready to let go yet. They're not ready to let go. But you can just see they're ready to let go. And I lean in and I get up there and I go, hey, how are you? And they go, I'm doing good, Pastor. And I go, hey, what do you want me to pray? And they look at me like, really, do you want me to tell you? And I go, it's okay, you can tell me. And they go, I, I don't know. I said, hey, are you ready to go? And the family gets mad. No, he's not ready to go. No, she's not ready to go. Unless they have a lot of money. And they're like, yeah, he's ready to go. <laughs> and I lean in and I go, are you ready to go? And they look at me and they're so happy. And their eyes light up and they go, yes. Yes, it's been a good life. I'm ready to go home. And I said, well, let's pray for that. And see, that's kind of a weird thing to have a pastor that will pray that you die. But here's the thing I want to remind you as a believer. We're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. Death is just the beginning. And if you've lived a full, God-chasing kind of life, there's no reason to miss the power of the beginning of Ecclesiastes verse 3. There sure is a time to be born. And you guys, when it's time for me to leave this earth, don't try to talk me out of leaving. In fact, let me just tell you, there's a part of me right now at 45 that just kind of looks at how cool heaven's going to be. I'm not ready to go but I'm not afraid of death either. Next one. There's a right time to plant and another to reap. There's a right time to kill and another to heal. There's been many times I've looked at this portion of Scripture and thought, you know, in relationships, there's just some relationships that need to die. They just need to be over. And there's other relationships that need to heal. I need to take some time and invest in this relationship and allow the healing to take place. There's a right time to destroy and another can to construct there's a right time to cry and there's another time to laugh don't get those mixed up by the way it's really awkward when you laugh when you should be crying and when you cry when you should be laughing and and and, and, and there's a time for everything there's a right time to lament another to cheer there's a right time to make love and another to abstain and I, I i've paused in every every service on this one part and i, I just want to encourage everyone uh, listen if, if there is a right time to make love you also need to know the power of abstaining and setting yourself aside and realizing that God has a better plan, that he created sex and he created love, making love. But there is a time when abstaining is just as important as participating in what God created. A right time to embrace and another to part. There's a right time to search and another to count your, count your losses. There's a right time to hold on, and there's another time to let go. There's a right time to rip out, and there's another time to mend. There's a right time to shut up, and a right time to speak up. That'll preach, won't it? There's a right time to love, and another to hate. There's a right time to wage war, and there's another time to make peace. In each one of these, in any particular place you're in, it speaks to you. 
It reminds you of your options. It reminds you of the perfect timing. And to have timing is so important. The reason that I want to point towards this is because when we talk about seasons, I think I talk to so many people who don't realize that seasons are working today. And I'm not just talking about farming. I'm not talking about agriculture. Though a farmer can turn to you right now and tell you the value of knowing where you're at in the season you're in. And there's only specific things you can do in every season that you can't do in every season. You have to take advantage of where you're at. But as individuals, I can tell you that physically, you are in a season. Spiritually, every person in this room is in a season. Emotionally, I guarantee you are in a season. Mentally, you're even in a season. Age-wise, you're in a season. Every person in this room is in a season in some form or fashion. And what you're doing in the season you're in will dictate how successful the next season you go into will be. The reason I want to bring this up is because the first point that I have today is if, you've, if you're stuck, you might have missed a season. And I've talked to so many people who just get stuck. They find themselves not knowing what to do. I even hear so many people say, I feel like God quit me. I feel like God gave up. I feel like God isn't there anymore. And the fact is, is that God is as real then as he was the first day you entered this earth. God doesn't change. We do. One of the things, one of the things, I'm going to say it's all the things, but one of the things that I think about often when I talk to people who feel stuck is I wonder if they know what season they're in. And the reason why that's such a big deal is think about a farmer, go back to agriculture, who stands in a moment of casting seed, putting seed in the ground, to then find himself moving on to the harvest days. If he didn't put seed in the ground when he should have put seed in the ground, but he's standing in the harvest season looking at the field going, what the heck's going on? Where are you? What's happening? What did I do wrong? God, where are you? Why do we get mad at something that we should have done two seasons ago? This is the importance of why I think so many people get stuck. They don't take advantage of the single years and they don't have the harvest come the married years. I tell you, I, I want to be careful here, but I just want to shed some light for all the single folk. There's a season in your life you need to be alone. There's a season you need to learn that a person can't feel your needs. And if you have to always be with somebody, when you do get married, you will put a pressure on your spouse. They were not made to carry for you. But when you can learn how to be alone and be more specific in faith, when we can learn to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, when we find our identity, who we are in Christ Jesus, as a single man, as a single woman, when we tap into our full potential in Christ Jesus, and then one day we do get married, all of a sudden it's two couples complimenting each other, not two couples being a burden on each other. This is the beautiful part of taking advantage in the seasons that you're in. If you ever felt stuck, if you felt stuck financially, you may not take advantage of a season you were in, and then you weren't prepared for a season that you go into. This is so important for everyone. It's something I want to teach my boys, that if you ever feel stuck, don't feel bad. Here's the beautiful thing about seasons. 
they always come right back around. They always come right back around. And, and one of the things that we say around here quite often is maybe you just need to go back to the last instruction God gave you. What was the last thing God told you to do? What was the last thing God put in your heart? Because I promise that if God put something in your heart and you didn't do it, God is the God of seasons. And there will always be seed time and harvest. And if he gave you a seed, but you didn't plant it, and now you're standing in a time in your life where you're wondering, what happened? This is not what I thought life would be like. This is weird. Go back to the last instruction God gave you and just simply do what God told you to do and now see what happens as that leads into the next season and you're going to be more prepared, better prepared. It's every one of us are in this point, just like Mary, her season of carrying the baby had come to a place of completion. And then when she was in Bethlehem, she gave birth, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and the new season began, the season of being a mother. That's really what Mary's known for, being a good mother, being a great mother. But there's four things that I want to kind of touch on as I wrap this thing up. These four things in finding the season you're in, to kind of change the wording up a little bit, you got to understand, number one, there's a time to prepare. How good are you at getting ready? See, a lot of us, we're great at pulling the trigger. We're great at shooting from the hip. We're great at, at pulling the ripcord. We're, we're, we're great at taking a leap. But there's going to be some times in your life for you to have more bang for your buck. That's what you maybe you need in life. There's going to be times you need more bang. You need more pop. You need more harvest. We got to go back. And if we're going to be better in what God has for us, we got to be better in preparing where we're at right now. Every great farmer puts the, puts the plow in the dirt, and it's just not to break up the ground. It's to loosen the ground and make it to where it can grow things. But it's also to get the rocks out. And there's some unforgiveness that might be in your heart. There's some things that God wants to dig up. There's some roots that God wants to go deep in. And it's all for where he's taking you. And how good are you at preparing? This isn't unusual for Scripture to teach this. In fact, if you'd like to know more about it, Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13. Just to give you a short version of this, Jesus gives this parable. This is a Jesus story so that we can all get it. He says there were 10 bridesmaids, 10 young ladies ready to get married, and their grooms were on the way. But they did not know when he was going to come. They did not know when in the daytime, in the night. All they knew was to be ready. Did you hear that? Be ready. For a lot of it, it was taking longer than they thought it would take. For others, they thought, hey, it could take forever. Why don't I just relax? Five of them relaxed so much that they basically neglected their preparedness. Five of them is the five that Jesus bragged on, though. And these five, he said, here's the great thing. They were always prepared. They had their hearts right. They had their lamps right. They had their everything right. And he bragged on them because when the bridegroom came, he came quickly, he was there instantly, and they left immediately. And five were still trying to find more oil. And they were chasing the, chasing the dream down. But five were ready to go. How good are you 
at preparing because, here's what's interesting, as good as you are at preparing, the next season is the ground dictates how good the, the seed is going to be used. Don't forget that. God right now in this room, according to scripture, is sowing seed. And there's four lessons we know about the seed. Is that there's hard-heartedness, there's shallowness. Help me, what's the next one? There's shallowness, there's, there's distractions and, and, uh, and uh, cares of this world that choke things out. But the fourth one, the fourth one, is the person who got the ground ready. So when the seed fell on that kind of heart, it grew a harvest 30, 60, even 100-fold return. And it's a lesson for every one of us. How we prepare dictates how good the seed's going to be. And are you willing to let go, this is where faith comes in, to sow what God is asking you to sow? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your energy. Maybe it's your money. But whatever it is, we know it's all faith. There's a time to sow. I have a question. It's something that I think we should ask ourselves often. What does God want for me? What, God, what does God want for me? Yesterday we did something pretty cool. I got scared and didn't do it in the first service because they're just mean. And, and, and I pulled out two pennies in the second service. And I wanted to try something that Bob Goff does with his son. And he writes about it in his book called Love Does. Okay? And they play the trading game. Okay? Now, here, by the way, I'm going to start involving you here in a minute. You're going to get to play a part of this illustration that I want everyone to see. So everyone loosen up. I'm going to ask you something, and you're going to respond back. So, so just loosen up. Everybody gets to play a part in today. Okay? Um, one of the things that he does is they take, well, they started off with a dime, okay? And Bob Goff turned to his son and said, let's play a game. Let's see who can go the furthest and keep trading. And let's just keep trading people. Let's see who wants to trade for a dime. And so we're going to do that today because there's somebody in the room who would say, I don't have anything to sow. I don't have anything. So, so let's do something. Is there anybody in the room that for a pretty copper penny, you'd be willing to trade something in your pocket right now. And I mean, would you like to be a part of today? Please don't be as mean as the, as, as the 830 crowd. Okay, what do you got in your pocket that you'd be willing to trade for a copper penny? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? One, two, three, go. Anybody? Yeah, Travis, what do you got? Ooh, no way. I, I know where you got that. All right. All right. All right. Okay, now I'm going to ask a question. Uh, is there anybody that would like to trade for a piece of peppermint? I got a, I, you didn't, it's, it's still closed. Is there anybody that would like to trade for a piece of peppermint? Anybody not get it? Well, yes. What do you got? A jolly, have you, has it been in your pocket? Is it wrapped up? Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll trade you. All right. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll swap you. Okay. That's a good trade. All right. I got a Jolly Rancher completely wrapped up, sealed up. Is anybody like to trade for a Jolly Rancher? Uh, that's a good question. What kind do you like? Cinnamon. Oh, it's a cinnamon. Yes, it is. What do you got? Oh, perfect. Okay. Quarter? Okay. All right. Is there anybody that like, you got some in your pocket that you'll trade a quarter for? What do you think? What do you got? A what? 
Four peppermints? Are they open? Are you okay? Anybody got something? Travis, we. If I got some more, what do you got? Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, you swapped me a perfect. Okay, stop what you're doing right now. Yesterday, we started off with a penny, and someone stood up and said, I got a stick of gum. I swapped him a stick of gum. From a stick of gum, someone said, You know, I need that gum. And they really did. They said, I need a piece of gum. And they said, I've got a tissue. Uh, it, was, it was one of those little deals you buy at the dollar store. It had never been opened. It had a packet full of tissue, and I swapped her a piece of gum for tissue. From there, it went on and on and on. We got up to 50 cents. From 50 cents, we took her to the next service, and 50 cents, well, there was a lot of trading going on. It got to a dollar. Tonight, Gerald jumped in and, uh, and did the very same thing. Now, I want to show you something real quick. A minute ago, we started with a penny. And just from the people I know, and just from the people in this room, and just from trading going on, there was a hundredfold return in just a short amount of time. Don't you dare tell me that you don't have anything. When you take what you do have and just put it to work. When you go out there and you say, well, who would trade for this? Let me, let me tell you how this important this is in the book. They started off with 10 cents. And, and when he got through writing the book, he said, and my son is now up to a truck. And he just kept trading, just kept swapping and swapping and trading. And, and now he drives a, a paid-for, completely paid-for truck. And it started with 10 cents. And, and just before your eyes, you just saw people so I need that, and I need that. I need that. Y'all were lots more stingy than the, than the first service. I, for the people who could participate, I appreciate your help. You're amazing. But see, you, you actually have more going for you than you think you do. You're just, just going to have to have faith that God knows what he's doing. And that if you'll believe, he can take what you do have and show that he's fully capable of turning into something absolutely awesome for his kingdom. Don't be afraid to sow. Don't, don't be afraid to let things go. One of the things you need to know, and I want you to write this down, God makes trees, not tables. Uh, that's become one of my favorite quotes. God makes trees, not tables. And why is that such a big deal? Because if we're not careful... We could be asking God for a table. God, give me a table. Give me a table, God. I pray for a table. And you open your eyes and you see you're standing in the middle of a bunch of trees and you get mad. If God was God, he could give me a table. But what you don't see is God's the God of seasons. And you may start with trees and learn how to make a table. But it's all in the season. And, and instead of being a table maker, you may be in the season of being how to learn how to be a lumberjack. And you have to learn how to cut trees down. And it's the process of getting to where, but in the season of cutting down trees, now you learn, you go into the next season of learning how to mill them. And you run them through the mill, and now you've got a, a whole yard full of boards. To then go and say, I know what to do with boards. I can build a table. But you're not doing anything. You're just cussing the trees. Not realizing you're standing by a bunch of tables that just haven't got turned into tables yet.
But for a person that understands seasons, they understand they're surrounded by seeds. Surrounded by seeds. The third thing is this. We prepare, we stow, we sow, and then we have stewardship. Stewardship is this moment where we realize the seed is in the ground. I've done everything I know to do. And now stewardship is bathing faith with more faith. You water it with prayer. You stand on it with the word of God. You trust God. You pull weeds, any distraction that might come in, anything that wants to pull you off the field. Wherever you're at, you have to understand there is going to be a season of boring. Turn to your neighbor and say, you might as well get comfortable. It could get boring. And it drives people nuts. They think they always have to be doing something. But one of the things a farmer learns is after you've dissed up the ground and you put the seed in the ground, waiting is a part of the season. You wait. You water and you wait and you water and you wait and you water and you wait. And And there's some things you're not good at praying about. You know why? Because praying is boring. Didn't I say the same things yesterday, God? Did I say the same things yesterday, God? Have you guys ever woke up, gone to prayer and said, God, ditto. (laughs) I'm going to just turn to you and tell you, there will be seasons of boring in your life, but it does not mean that the seed is not active. It means the seed is growing. If you have got the ground ready, if you have put the the seed in the ground, if your faith is in God, if your trust is in Him, get ready because you're about to work your butt off when it finally comes up out of the ground. And you'll be appreciating the days when you just watered and waited because when it finally blows up right in front of you, you're thinking, I wasn't ready for this. This is why Scripture tells us the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Yeah, Miss Crow, remember when there was only 10 kids in Junction Christian Academy? And you, you thought, is this ever going to? And now you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is bigger than we ever thought it would be. Don't grow weary in doing good. <clears throat> Stewardship. Maturity will always be equal to the season that you're in. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Listen, sometimes you have to realize that when you go through a season, you're going to act how your maturity is in that season. That's okay. You're going to go on. And as seasons progress, your maturity will progress also. The reason why I want to throw this up is because a lot of people read that and they think that at four years old, Jesus acted like a 40-year-old. But let me just tell you, when Jesus was a four-year-old, he acted like a four-year-old. And when Jesus was 12 years old, he acted like a 12-year-old. And when Jesus was 15-year-old, he acted like a 15-year-old. When he was 20 years old, he acted like a 20-year-old. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in every season that he was in, what did he do? He increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. There is something in your maturity process to learn 
and experience and grow in the season you're in right now. Another question I want you to ask yourself. What does God have in me? First one was this. What does God want from me? And the second one is this. What does God have in me? And when you figure out what God has in you in the season you're in right now, that's a part of the maturity process. Who am I? Who am I really? What's my giftings? What's my talents? What's my abilities? Where, where do I shine? Where do I have no business? I know this. I'm not called to be a basketball player. Did I play basketball? Absolutely. Did I foul, foul out in the first quarter? Oh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I didn't have to play long. But you find out in the maturity of where you are in life what God has in you. Fourth and final one is this, the harvest. The harvest. God gives me opportunities, and what I do with those opportunities is my gift to God. I'm going to wrap with this story. Let's talk about the harvest. One of the key reasons why most people get stuck, you ready, is because they've experienced all four seasons to then get to the end and they've got their harvest you ready and they eat their harvest okay let's go back to agricultural you got to save some seed what if a farmer grew wheat and then threw it in the barn and him and his family threw a party and invited all their friends over and ate every bit of it. And what you forgot was every new season starts all over again. And you're standing at a field and you're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on? As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And one of the key reasons most people get stuck is because they celebrate the harvest, but they don't realize it was just a season that gets them ready for the next season. What are you doing in the harvest you're in right now to be prepared? Remember that word? Prepared for what God's going to do in the next year and the next season you go through in life. This is a daily thing, this is a weekly thing, this is a monthly thing, this is a yearly thing. Every day before I leave the office, I write down on my board what I'm going to do tomorrow. It's my way of preparing from the harvest of today, and I kick butt today. I knocked the dog teeth out of day today, you guys. I took Monday, and I slapped it around, and I told him, I don't work for you, you work for me. And I killed Monday today, you guys. And a part of my harvest was coming to the end of my Monday and writing my to-do list for tomorrow so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I, I think I'm going to reward myself with roses tonight, boy. Boys, I'm going to let you guys get me whatever I want to get. And I'm going to go celebrate. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go to CrossFit. I'm going to work out. And I'm going to walk to that board. And I'm going to say, let's do it. Let's prepare. Here's what we, last night I saved a little seed and this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to kick it out all over again. And sometimes it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's a weekly thing. But here's my story. The old man that discipled me through the book of Malachi, that grouchy old man that I keep telling you about that, that was so hard to be around but taught me so 
much about the heart of God. Took me into his house, and he sat down in front of me a box of cornflakes. Cornflakes, not frosted flakes, cornflakes. The kind that you had to pour in the bowl, pour the milk on top of it, shake sugar on top of. You know what I'm talking about, Mark? Cornflakes. And he said, eat, I'm just going to, you just keep eating, and I'm just going to keep teaching. Well, all right, I can do this. 21, 22 years old, I I could handle, my metabolism could handle it back then. And I just kept eating. And he said, you want some more? And I said, sure. And I kept pouring. He said, eat eat as much as you want. I kept pouring. I kept kept pouring. And I ate the whole thing. At the end of the lesson, he turned and he says, I wanted to give you a visual on exactly what people do in their life. They eat everything they've got. And they have nothing left for the new season that God takes them into. I don't care if it's finances. I don't care if it's finances. Save something. Honor God with what belongs to Him. Set some aside for the next season that you're going into and learn how to live off the rest. Have fun with it. Pay your bills with it, but learn how to live off all of it. What God has left. What's left over. But what's left is the seed to put back in the ground. And what you find is that the harvest will grow larger because you were mature enough to handle the harvest in your life. And I learned a valuable lesson eating that whole thing. I realized that's exactly what I do at a young man, as a young man. I eat everything that comes in. And he showed me how to save a little. Put it back. It could be your time. Do you walk in the door and your family gets the worst of your day? Or do you save a little bit for a good harvest for your kids and your wife and your husband? Uh, what, what about ministry? Sometimes our our day gets so full, we don't even think that God could ever use us. But I'm going to tell you, church is not for the pastor to do the ministry. Church is for us to be sharpened so that we can be used to go then be the ministry in our community. You've got to put a little aside to be who God wants you to be. And what's interesting is there are so many people who want to be your boss so they can tell you who they want you to be. But you're going to find a harvest if you can find that job that God's got for you to set a little aside to go be who God wants you to be. I'm going to pray for you. But I I want you to think about this. What season are you in? Father, today I pray for my friends. And I pray for all that you're doing in their hearts and my heart. Father, I just pray for ears to open, hearts to open, to get moldable and shaped again. I pray for our college kids in this room. How cool. How cool to be young and aware of God's plan for their life. And Jesus, today I just pray with, with all my heart that they would begin to ask the question, what season am I in? What season am I in? What season am I in? For a college kid... There's going to be harvest, but we all know that there's a time as as hard as you prepare, what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. And there's marriages in the room. I pray that they begin to ask, what season are we in? We haven't experienced a harvest in a whole long time. I wonder why that is. It might be because we just got stuck. 
And we quit asking, what season are we in? And baby, maybe we should start preparing our, ha- our hearts. Maybe we should start preparing our hearts all over again. And Father, I pray for us as, as followers of you that we'd ask the question, Where, what's my season with you, Jesus? What's my season? Where do you have me? Maybe we just need to go back to the last instruction you gave us. And I pray, Father, that you'd remind us what that was. Or maybe we just need to catch a hold of the next season. What season are we in? And Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And we get to start all over again. It's that simple. So, Lord, speak to us. Yeah. Do what only you can do. We love you, love you, love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so listen. Uh, I got an email. Uh, if you want to email and tell me your story, tell me about how, seed time and harvest. Tell me about, you know, feeling stuck and God doing something new in you. I really want to hear. Um, very excited about this new uh, thing next weekend. Y'all don't have to come to church Monday night. How about that? But you do have to come to church Sunday morning, okay? And we're going to be at Tidings Auditorium. It's going to be fantastic. fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. So see you guys on Sunday morning. And uh, I, I, man, just have Monday night on Sunday morning would be so cool. You guys stand to your feet. Our prayer team is over here, over here. And they would love to pray for you guys. If there's anything you want to pray about. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you're like, that's where I need to start. I need Jesus. Man, I can, Pastor Jeff and I would love to pray with you. So we're going to go over here, and, and we'd love to pray with you. Just While everyone's moving out, just go over there and say, Hey, Ty, tell me more about Jesus. And man, we can, you can leave totally different than you walked in. Before you go on, you know I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys, and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.